Hey, good evening everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday Dhamma. Tonight we're here to study and learn about Buddha's teaching on mindfulness meditation for the purpose of seeing clearly, which is in turn for the purpose of freeing ourselves from suffering. It's easy to underestimate the power of that statement to become free from suffering. Think about that. Think about that statement. It's a bold claim. It's an easy one to be skeptical of. There's always that. But putting aside skepticism, it's an it's a unique phrasing. I can't think of any other religious or spiritual path that phrases things that way. There's usually something else, some other baggage, some other idea. Usually it's phrased in terms of happiness. There's a lot of appealing to our desire for happiness. Right? And it's quite quite appealing to hear someone talk about this happiness. The Buddha talked about that as well. But he made a claim that Seeing clearly frees you from suffering. Panyaya pasati, when one sees with wisdom. It's easy to underestimate it. And what I mean, what I'm thinking of there specifically is how that really covers everything covers all of our all of life's problems and it changes perspective and and understanding about a lot of the issues that we face in the world when i get asked questions questions about politics economics science religion what's important what is important what's better someone asked me recently is what do i think of democracy i don't get asked that very often i mean i think of, i've thought about it before but I don't get asked it much i've i've been asked what i think of socialism capitalism I've asked myself that question, what the Buddha thought of those things. I've argued with communists and socialists, not because I think socialism or communism is bad necessarily, but because there's a deeper issue. The environment is another good one, right? The environment is... is uh, 
responding to our lack of care for it. We're likely to be in some great danger in the coming years, in, in our lifetimes, because of our negligence. And so, should a Buddhist be concerned about climate change? Should a Buddhist be concerned about the environment? And it's easy, it's easy to conflate Buddhism with something else, right? Perhaps you got into Buddhism because you were a, a liberal or a, a, a libertarian, maybe. No, I don't know about that. Because you were a, a interested in anarchy or uh, counter some kind of counterculture. Hippies got into Buddhism, and so they mixed. And it's easy to think that the Buddha must have agreed with your worldview. You interpret Buddhism based on your worldview, and you think, well, that Buddhism is this or that. So we have to be careful there, but. What's more important than trying to figure out, and this is this is in, this is really important. What's more important than trying to figure out which system or pursuit the Buddha might have might have agreed with? Is to understand the cause of the problems that those systems and activities, undertakings, philosophies, and so on, seek to remedy. Because if they're not talking about alleviating suffering, if they're not involved with alleviating suffering, then they're not really addressing any problem. And if they are involved with alleviating suffering, well, we've already found the answer. So we can pack it up and go home, as they say. I don't need to engage in those things, theoretically, right? Buddhism does that for us. Now that's not, that's obviously not a fair thing to say. It's an, it's an easy conclusion to come to, but the problem with that statement, of course, is that Buddhism can't, the Buddhist teaching can't be practiced unless certain conditions are met. So if you're if you're in a society that is unstable, how could you possibly practice Buddhism? Nonetheless, nonetheless, we don't have to talk about practicing meditation or Buddhism, but we have to understand what are the root causes of suffering, the root causes of problems. So if we're going to ask which system is best, we have to ask which ones contribute to our problems, which ones get in the way or serve to take us away from the path to freedom from suffering. And I'm not trying to say that I have any answers there, and I, I think... The point is not 
to determine, oh yes, communism, that's much better for people, much better for the practice of Buddhism somehow, right? Or vice versa, maybe capitalism is better because, well, it's maybe a little bit simpler, I don't know. The point is that it requires the proper perspective, that, that you can't argue for any sort of system or philosophy or undertaking, scientific pursuit, religion, philosophy, etc. You can't argue for it unless you're arguing in, in terms of the right conditions, unless you're understanding what it's for. And without addressing the root causes of suffering, you can that are good to undertake. Like suppose there were some political structure that was just perfect, led to a utopia, just perfectly designed. There's no question that it would be useless it would be utterly useless. The perfect system would be utterly useless. Now that's not fair, but utterly ineffectual in, it, in, it, in its goals if it was implemented by corrupt individuals. Right? You can say capitalism is a horrible system. Maybe it is. You can say communism is a horrible system. I know a lot of people do. But ultimately, if either of those systems, first of all, were implemented by people who were of a pure mind and a pure intention, first of all, the system would not be, would lose any capacity to harm those involved. I mean, I mean, as a basic principle, it doesn't it doesn't hold for everything. Because there's also uh, systemic violence, which is just because of the nature of the system. And, and of course, there's always institutions can, institutionalization, red tape, etc., can cause harm to people. But, and this is the second thing, any system implemented by people with a pure heart would quickly and constantly be refined and adjusted and changed by those people with good intentions. And this goes for really anything. You can't have positive change without positivity, without good intentions. And so you see some political leaders that you can identify who really care who really are sensitive and um, thoughtful, conscientious, and have a sense of the communal nature of life where we all are in this together. That harming someone else is really just as bad as harming yourself. Taking advantage of someone else 
is no better than them taking advantage of you. Understanding these things. There are people, and it's those people who work to change systems and to, 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 to undertake activities that are positive. And, and so if we put our emphasis on worldly things, politics, of course, comes to mind with I have a large American audience. If we put our emphasis on these things, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't engage in your civic duty, I think we should. I think you should, I don't, but those of you who are a part of society should. But I don't think that's where your heart should be. That's where your interest should lie. Your interest should lie in what truly frees us from suffering. It's quite simple. There's quite not so many things. And it boils down to greed, anger, and delusion, just three things. That's all. If you want to break it down, even boil it down even further, it's just delusion, because without delusion you couldn't have the greed or anger. But nonetheless, it's the greed and the anger that do most of the heavy, or a lot of the heavy lifting. And so ultimately, ultimately, meditation is essential. Meditation being the cultivation of clarity of mind that frees us from delusion and in turn frees us from greed and anger and, and in turn frees us from causing suffering to ourselves and others. All good things. If you want to talk about something good, if you have a question about what you should do with your life, maybe I should become a politician or I should work to cure cancer or something like that. None of those things is ever going to be effective for as long as the world contains corruption. And so it appears to some extent that we're becoming more corrupt. And this is a common thing to hear with religions that things are getting worse, doomsday is coming. doesn't mean it's not true, though. doesn't mean it is true. So a lot of people say things are getting better. Steven Pinker, a very famous scientist of some sort, he, uh, he's, he's put some forward some conclusive evidence that says that things are getting because we can be inclined to doom and gloom. But there are other indicators. The environment's not in very good shape, clearly. And uh, sickness, we're now in an age that may be, may not be reversible, where sickness is becoming a greater thing. The Buddha said that our lifespan is going to decrease. I think, as I said before, something that might be countering it, and it kind of seems a arrogant or proud thing to say, but by the theory, you've got to accept the idea that Buddhism has pro probably had, not that we can see it or point point to it anywhere, but has, a has had a positive impact on the world to make things get better in some ways. Of course, things like ethics and so on, I think a lot of it wouldn't have been there without the influence of Buddhism. Not all of it, but 
but a fair amount of it because it's such an emphasis. And there are so many people who have practiced Buddhism throughout the world. Throughout history. But when that's gone and as Buddhism starts to decay, and, and even at the same time there are, of course, the corrupting influences and it's those, it's that, that, it's there where the battle lies. It's there where the work must be done. And so if you want your world to be a good place, if you really want to do something worthwhile, I mean, there really is no avoiding the very basis of the practice of mindfulness. And then, of course, if you want to become a mindful politician or a mindful philosopher, a mindful scientist, then by all means, You'll do very well. But without that, and so by extension, without people who are spreading that, who are helping others to come to the practice of clarity, practice of mindfulness and the clarity that comes from it, there will be no, no, no reason, no, no benefit, no gain from focusing on more earth theoretical or conceptual goods in the world. So anyway, that's my thought for tonight. A mini Dhamma talk. I guess we have some questions. So I'm going to say, at this point, chat will only be, should only be used for questions from here on. If there's anything that's not a question, I'm going to ask Chris to delete it. Chris is again here kindly to help answer, uh, ask the questions and also to moderate the chat. We may have other moderators. I think, think we were trying to get some. Okay, let's begin. Far into meditation, but seeing a lot and suffering from that seeing, having a hard time during this unfolding, how do I motivate myself to keep meditating? You don't suffer from the seeing. You do suffer from the desire not to see. Meaning, we, do, we suffer from our aversion to, towards things. And because meditation is about facing things, absolutely, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be a a big mystery as to why meditation seems to cause suffering. But it's not the meditation that's doing that. It's the aversion towards facing things. We're triggered by things. The meditation is about showing yourself that until you see that, oh yes, this thing that I'm triggered by is actually not a problem. It's the being triggered that's the problem. Once you do that, you're no longer triggered. Because you're no longer triggered, you no longer suffer. There is no other way. It is impossible to avoid things as a means of freeing yourself from suffering. So that should motivate you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that um, experience, except for the fact that you're reacting to to the experience and, and probably reacting to the reaction because it makes you depressed and, and discouraged, and it shouldn't. But when you're discouraged, try and note that. More importantly, just try and note the disliking, don't like. 
and be patient. You're not going to get rid of the disliking. You're not going to get rid of any of your habits overnight. They're habits. They're habitual. They take work and effort and time to overcome. Yeah. Well, I think it's being interrupted. How is the stream, everyone? Not receiving enough video. I don't really know what's going on. 